you're listening to the Tongue Tie Experts Podcast, a weekly program providing information and support for those families impacted by tongue and lip tie and the professionals caring for them. I'm Lisa Palladino, a midwife and a lactation consultant with over 30 years of experience. If you are a parent looking for answers or a professional who is curious to learn more than what you learned in school on this topic, welcome. This podcast is for you. A gentle disclaimer, please do not consider anything discussed on this podcast by myself or any guest of the podcast to be medical advice. The information is provided for educational purposes only and does not take the place of your own medical or lactation provider. Thank you. Welcome everyone to the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. I'm Lisa Palladino, and today I am excited to interview Carrie Dean. Carrie Dean is a native of North Carolina who currently lives in Westchester with her husband and two young sons. Carrie is a licensed massage therapist, an IBCLC, and a craniosacral therapist. She has experience working as a lactation consultant in a pediatrician's office before establishing her private practice. Carrie currently makes home visits in Westchester, New York, and Southern Connecticut. Welcome, Carrie. I'm so thrilled to have you here. As we were chatting before, you're the first other IBCLC that's on the podcast. I've been um, interviewing all different members of the team, but I haven't gotten to another IBCLC, so I'm very excited for our conversation today. Welcome. I am very excited to be here. Thank you so much. So, so many things to discuss. I'm very, um, very pleased to be here and have this chat with you. And, you know, I did cut down your bio a little bit. So Mm -hmm. feel free to tell us how you went from massage to CST to IBCLC, or was that the order that it happened? Yeah, that was the order. So I started, you know, Uh, the events of September 11th in 2001 is when I had my wake up call and I was like, what do I want to do? That's meaningful with my life. What am I going to do for like, it's time to mix it up and choose a career that I am fulfilled. Life is short. Life is precious. What is going to fulfill me? So that's when I went to massage school and it did. I loved it. I had a really just an interesting career. Um, I worked with a fertility acupuncturist in New York city. I was doing a lot of prenatal massage, fertility massage. I worked with the um, tennis players at the USTA. So I worked at the US Open. So I did a lot of athlete work. Yeah. I worked with some really outstanding um, physical therapists, Mm -hmm. um, post-op work. So it was a really nice, fulfilling, interesting career. And then I um, had babies Mm -hmm. and my first baby was, um, had the worst tongue tie I I've seen mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point in my lactation career. Um, I took him up to Dr. Kotlow when he was just shy of four years old. Isn't it funny and, how those of us uh, in the field have the worst cases like right now, not that he's the worst case, but you know, those of you who listen, know I have a new grandson mm-hmm. and his journey with tongue tie has not been a smooth one, you know? So, no. and I'm going to have a podcast explaining all of his whole journey, but 
why is it that our kids are the ones it that, was really, that give us the problems, right? That don't, don't was, get solved so easily no. or whatever. But in your case, it brought you into thinking about me, lactation, right? It brought me into the work. I, I was in New York City and I had zero support, you know, and I had numerous pediatricians, nurse practitioners, and ENTs tell me that he was fine. And his mm. bottom teeth grew in, in a V shape wow. because that frenulum was so thick attached to the gum ridge. I took him and to what Dr. year Kotlo was that? He, Harry, what year was that? 2011. Okay. So yeah, that was around uh-huh. the, the turning point for a lot uh-huh. of us. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Um, and Kotlo looked at me, looked at my son and looked at me back again and said, I have no idea how you guys have made it this far. Wow. <laughs> and I said, I don't either. Um, so yeah. So, so as a massage therapist, you know, I had my son and I got offered my, like a great gig and I went back to work and I herniated four discs in my back mm. because, you know, I was four months postpartum still trying to breastfeed and I really injured myself. So you know, I knew, and I was working with a PT and he said, you know, I think that you work like I do, you work very hard. You put a lot into this career and it's physically very taxing on you. And I think you need to figure out a segue. And so I really just thought long and hard about it. I thought, what, what else can I do? Because the massage career was very fulfilling. So what am I going to do now that's equally as fulfilling? And, and, and this is where I ended up mm-hmm. and, and I love it. So I segued mm-hmm. In like 2013, I started studying, you know, it's a very lengthy process. As oh, you yeah. Know. Especially There's if you're no not a nurse or medical mm-hmm. provider already. I don't right. know, you know, I don't know if the general public or even other healthcare providers realize the extensive training that it takes to become an IBCLC. For the so maybe we can talk a little bit about that journey for you. First, you had to take courses. Sure. Right? Well, you know, because of the, of the LMT, I did have a lot of anatomy, okay. pathology and physiology from the Swedish Institute. So that was accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, there still were college courses that I needed to take, um, you know, from college, they needed to see my psychology and sociology. I had to take, um, Statistics. That's wow. what I had to take. Statistics right. and nutrition were the what two. What is that it I about statistics? Had. Like I had to take statistics for all of my degrees. I think I've taken like six statistic courses on college level. By the last and one, it, I was like, enough, enough. Oh, it, makes, it just makes my brain hurt so badly. Yeah. Um, I think it has something to do with, you know, when we're reading review or um, research. Studies, Right. It's research and studies, which is important to us because we are in a field that, like you said, around 2011, you asked Mm -hmm. when my son was born. Right. So we are in a field where the research is we desperately need the research like Mm -hmm. uh, Kathy, Jenna and Scott doing this research for, you know, what the the ultrasound, what's happening inside Mm -hmm. a baby's mouth pre and post to tongue release. That is critical research that we need. So I think, you know, I think that's what the statistics course was for, was really understanding research. But yes. we are in a field where we need more and more research because we sit with our patients every day and we know what we see, but we also know that a lot of the medical community wants to see it in a journal or on a paper or something like that. Right. It's, it's um, upsetting <clears throat> that our experiential uh, daily work doesn't count as much as a randomized mm-hmm. control study. And Correct. what I like to say on the topic of research is that 
And I realized this the first time I went to a, an international conference about tongue tie and different people from different parts of the world who didn't know each other were reporting the same thing experientially. So that should count for something, right? If I do this, this gets better. If I don't do this, this doesn't get better. This helps this heal. This helps that heal. And it was going on all over the place simultaneously. And now we were communicating about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. interdisciplinary, which was fantastic. But what you said, international, globally, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like this is the human body. There's nothing, this is it is universal. And that's what I love about the international board certified lactation consultant. Like mm-hmm. these are standards that cross all borders. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So back so, to your education. So I had, so I had a <laughs> lot keep... of college, had a lot of college courses under my belt. So I think uh-huh. I ended up needing to take four college courses. Mm-hmm. But, and then really the tricky part, like you said earlier, if you're not a nurse, if you're not already in a healthcare setting was my mentorship hours. Right. And it's between 500 and 1000 mentorship hours, mm-hmm. meaning you are hands on in a visit with a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I think because of my background, I was able to do the f- just quote unquote, just the 500 hours. And, um, and I worked. And so then, then you have to go and find your people, right? right. I'm contacting other lactation professor mm-hmm. professionals. I'm asking to be a part of their practice. Mm-hmm. And it's a very long and bumpy road. I had IVF and a baby during that, you know, wow. the process is lengthy, trying to fit it in, trying to mm-hmm. schedule it all. It's entirely all up to, it was, my specific process was entirely up to me mm-hmm. to seek out the professionals, to set up the mentorship schedules and and just do the work. Yeah. You and know, I, I think hear, it took almost hear, three years. Yeah. I hear this as a obstacle or a barrier for a lot mm-hmm. of people, um, mm-hmm. especially in places that are underserved because there already yes. aren't lactation consultants. So how Correct. are you going to train with a lactation consultant if you're not in an area where there are others? Correct. Um, it is a and, Yeah. And then the other aspect, putting the COVID pandemic in the mix, mm-hmm. the people who were training and trying to achieve IBCLC status and wanting to have mentors during this process, I know I had to can't, I had to turn people mm-hmm. down because mm-hmm. people didn't want to come to my office anyway. And now yes. I wasn't going to let them be exposed to an extra person. Correct. No matter how careful we were, especially in 2020, when we had no yes. idea what was going on. Right. So there's right. that. There's that struggle. Um, but you overcame all that. You got your hours. You became an <laughs> IBCLC, which is yay. Um, uh-huh. But I think it's important for those who are listening to this episode to realize that it's not a simple path. And it's it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of self-determination and Mm -hmm. really feeling that this is something that you are meant to do almost Mm -hmm. like a mission. I I believe Mm -hmm. that a lot of us who are IBCLCs run mission-based practices, even Mm -hmm. though we're for for profit, it's still a Mm -hmm. mission-driven practice about Mm -hmm. wanting to um, 
get to this point where you can serve families the way they need you to serve yes. them, mm-hmm. no matter it's what it serving. takes to get there. Yeah, right? serving and and healing <laughs> and just supportive, right? Yeah. I I mean, I I want all of my families to, if they want to breastfeed, breastfeed. I want you to, I want my families to meet their goals. Really, mm-hmm. I just, I want to be there for the family. Right. And whatever that means, any sort of feeding capacity, any sort of new parenting capacity, you know, like you said, back in 2020, there were, I did virtual visits for two months. Mm-hmm. That's it. Only two months. And then I said, that's it. I can't, I can't because it takes a village. Right. And in 2020, everyone was denied their village yes. and it was crushing my spirit. <laughs> I couldn't do it. It was so I was hard. Wearing, I was Very wearing hard. gym clothes. Mm-hmm. And I would pull into the driveway and I would put fresh scrubs on and go into the house. And then I would come out and I would take the scrubs off in the driveway and then put mm-hmm. my real clothes back on and put, cause we didn't know we were we like wiping know. groceries at that time. Right. Right. I remember my husband groceries. cleaning his keys one day. I was like, yeah. what are you doing? He's like, what if it's on the keys? You know, like we, know. we really, for those, if, if anybody's listening to this, who didn't live through 2020 as a grown up <laughs> in the future, we, we were, were a little crazy. Keys. We were a little crazy because we had yeah. no idea how it was transmitted. Yeah. We had no idea if healthy people were going to just, you know, all of us were just going to die yeah. from it because it was yeah. so very virulent. So, um, so I wanted to be a part of that yeah. village. So I was yeah. there and sometimes I would go in and I would be the only person you have a brand new set of parents with their newborn and mm-hmm. no one else has been allowed in the home. Right. And they are truly doing it on their own. And those yes. visits in the pandemic would be, those would be like two and a half hour visits mm-hmm. because I would just sit there. I would hold the baby, rock the baby, mm-hmm. talk to the mom, talk to the dad, just try you, to be you, that lifeline. Yes. Talk yeah. about service. You were providing mm-hmm. an, an amazing service for those families because like you said, you were providing their village. You were giving them reassurance. You are probably answering so many questions and just holding space with them because nobody holding else had space. done that. Holding Even space. at that point at the, in the hospital, if, the, if it was a hospital birth, there was so much less ability for the the hospital staff to be doing teaching and breastfeeding support. Mm -hmm. And it was all just get the necessities done, get the the physical things that absolutely had to be done because they were short staffed. They didn't want to spend extra time in the rooms with people. So sad. The whole thing, um, you know, may that never happen again. (laughs) That was the hardest, the hardest point. So you become an IBCLC and you first worked in a pediatrician's office. Tell me about that. I did. I worked in a pediatrician's office up in Connecticut and it was really nice. And I really think this is kind of the future, right? When we talk about, we could have a whole other episode on insurance and healthcare mm-hmm. and yeah. our broken system. But, um, <clears throat> but, you know, so let's say these families would be discharged from the hospital and you know, when you're discharged from the hospital, you go to your pediatrician, your baby has their first pediatric visit and I would be there. The pediatrician would be there to give the once over on the baby, make sure all is a okay. But really it was a visit with me, right? So you're talking Mm -hmm. three, four days Mm post-discharge, you have a lactation visit. That's the most crucial time for a visit. Yeah. When when I connect with families prenatally, Mm -hmm. I -hmm. tell them, you know, make the appointment, you know, Mm -hmm. let me know when the baby's born and we should meet during that first week. 
because yes. Because you just have for to, the, that troubleshooting, even if everything seems to be going okay, it's mm-hmm. a reassurance. You can't mm-hmm. teach breastfeeding until someone's breastfeeding. Until you have a baby on your yeah. breast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, and then you say, okay, well, this looks good or this looks tricky. Um, come back in a week. Right. Come back in three days, you know? <clears throat> so it was just a visit to the pediatrician. And and it was, it was, it was great. Um, but you know, because of insurance and because, you know, they were having a hard time in their practice, how to bill, how to pay. And it became a financial, you know, the pediatricians had to see the patients, but then they had to see me. So it was a time and a billing and a, and an issue that they couldn't get sorted out. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fault of theirs. It's a fault of this, the, system, the system, right? Yes. And, and I, you know, had a wonderful experience and I had some great mentors and then I was, I was ready for my private practice. Mm-hmm. And so then I started, you know, going into people's homes, which I love too, because then you are able to spend that time and you're like, okay, this is the setting. This is the home life. These are the dogs. These are the siblings. This is the mm-hmm. mother-in-law that, you know, do you have an upstairs, downstairs? Like, how are we going to make this work for you? We're going right. to make this comfortable. What plan is going to be ideal for this family? Right. And so that's that's what I do yeah. um, a lot home, now. Yeah, home visits, home visits are special. Mm-hmm. They're hard too. They're so hard. They're, they're exhausting. Hard. And, they're and I did and it. I do a lot of driving. <laughs> yeah, I did it for a bit um, until I, you know, I I did home visits as a bridge while I still worked at the hospital. Mm you know, starting my private practice before I was ready to commit to an office space. And I give you, I give you and those of you who continue to do solely home visits, lots of kudos. And, you know, it's, it's amazing that you do. It's not a service that I could continue because Mm -hmm. I would never get out of the house. Like I would go into a house, it was daylight and I would come out and it would be dark and be like, (laughs) What happens? Because I just would just become a part just, of the family yeah. and stick oh, around. Do. You know, they're like, hey, you know, I, I love, I go, I've had so many um, Indian families and I just love it. Like I walk in and you've got the mom and the aunt and the grandma and the kitchen and they're cooking, you know, and you, they, they send you home with uh-huh. like these amazing curries as part uh-huh. of their thank you. And it's just so delightful. Um, yeah. You get a full date on the culture. Too. Like when I have mm-hmm. a patient, a family in my office and I, I except during, I mean, even during the worst part of COVID, as soon as my office opened up again, I welcome another person, whether it be the husband, the partner mm-hmm. or the mother. A lot of times uh-huh. it's the, the mother, the grandmother. Yes. Comes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because I'm trying to assess the environment and her support systems. Mm-hmm. And also it's important for us to, our teaching is a lot of what we do, right? And it's important yes. for us, I believe, to educate the family on the types of support that she needs in order to breastfeed. Yes. So that they're hearing what she's hearing. So when mm-hmm. she goes home and says, oh, no, no, Lisa said I should blah, blah, blah. And they say, oh, are you sure? They have, she's got someone else who heard what I said and why I yes. said it. And there's, there's a yes. lot of, there's a lot more support that can happen now. And, and to piggyback on that, when I'm putting together a care plan, if a, if a parent comes to you individually and, you know, I do this a lot with pace bottle feeding, mm-hmm. I find that I say, here's the handout yes. printed up, 
put it on your refrigerator, mm-hmm. have your partner call me if they have any questions. Beautiful. Right. So, so you're, you're, you're giving this, you know, kind of education, edu- educating on the best practices mm-hmm. and you can tell when a, a parent starts to get panicked and you need, like, they're not going to have that support when right. they get home. So right. I will write up a special page or a blurb <laughs> or a special link. And I will say, print it up. Mm-hmm. Print it up, put it on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You in know? my case, I, I'm a video link queen. So I send them, oh, I like, know. <laughs> show show this video to your, you know, your the caregiver, whoever's that yes. that's gonna be. Yes. So you let's let's segue into you said paste bottle feeding. So there mm-hmm. are people who believe that all lactation consultants do is help with breastfeeding. And that's so oh, not true, right? So not true. So we so are the true. we are feeding experts. And now an interesting part about having you as the first IBCLC guest on the podcast is so far, my listeners have only heard me talk about the role of an IBCLC. Mm, So I'm excited to, you know, for you to explain to our audience, what are the roles you play Mm. aside from breastfeeding? Okay. Yeah. So, um, so it's funny that that this is this is the topic. So my colleague and I out here in Westchester, Kathleen Walker, we submitted a blog post for a little Westchester, excuse me, <coughs> Westchester County Mom's blog. And and you know, but the topic was endless. We could have would have could have chosen anything. And I said, you know, let's let's write a play-by-play of what we do. You know, you schedule a visit with one of us and we come to your home and this is what happens. And point being, I think that um, there are some, a lot of misconceptions about what we do. I think that a lot of folks don't realize the extent of what we do and what we offer and what a visit entails. And we really wanted to get that out there, you know, Mm -hmm. so you book a visit with with me and you're going to fill out a, a pretty lengthy intake form and and I digest all that before I show up because a breastfeeding you know a feeding an infant feeding situation it starts with the birth right. we have to know about the birth mm-hmm. and I say this to all my families breastfeeding is two human bodies we are caring for two humans. Mm-hmm. I need to know what happened to the birth parent. Were you induced? Was it a long labor? Was it an emergency section? What was the birth story? Okay. How did the baby do during birth? So we're starting with the birth. And mm-hmm. then we want to know those first few hours after birth. And so we're taking into account how did mom do during the birth? How did baby do during the birth? We're taking into account full anatomy and physiology of the birth parent and the baby. And how are those two intricate puzzle pieces fitting together? Mm-hmm. So, you know, <clears throat> we start to feed the baby. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to do probably a breast assessment. Maybe uh, we show mom how to hand express. We hand express what's the quality of the milk. Is it available? Are they engorged? Are the breasts soft? So what's happening with mom's breast? What is happening with the milk supply? And then we're going to, you know, try to latch the baby. And so what is the baby's behavior? Is the baby very sleepy? Is the baby very frustrated? Um, 
how can we get the baby on? What's the quality of the feeding? Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking and we're listening to the parent and the baby, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. is mom wincing? Is mom completely zoned out? Is baby choking? Is baby sleeping, coughing, sputtering, you know? So we're evaluating and most folks I, I know, you know, carry the scale down to one ML so we can see what's transferred. Was the baby mm-hmm. on for 15 minutes and took five MLs or was the baby on for 15 minutes and took two ounces, took like a mm-hmm. feeding, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really like putting evaluating. a puzzle together, right? I it's feel like it's like putting a intricate. puzzle together. Yeah. It's the most intricate puzzle piece. And that's what I say yeah. to folks, you know? I make the joke. I'm like type A personalities and breastfeeding on demand don't always go together, right? right? People want a plan and a schedule and black and white answers. And that's when I go back to the two human bodies that need to be firing. All systems need to be firing on all cylinders. And that intricate puzzle piece needs to fit together. Sometimes there are little itty sections here and there that aren't quite fitting. And then we turn into private investigators and we're like, okay, Yes. Which part is not fitting and why? Right. And this is the same thing that I would do with my massage practice, right? I'm never looking for a Band-Aid and mm-hmm. I'm never looking for a pill. I am digging, 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 digging to the root. Mm-hmm. I want to find what's the root cause of this. And then we're working our way from the ground up. Right. And that's a lot of investigative work. Right. That's beautiful. I love that you say that <clears throat> because, you know, on the other side of my practice, I, I have um, a woman's wellness practice where I practice functional or root cause medicine. And I bring that into my IBCLC practice seamlessly because we're always looking like, yes, the latch hurts. We're not going to just make the latch look good in the office and heal your nipples. We want to find out why is the latch hurting? Mm -hmm. Um, Your milk supply is low, not what could we do to build it, but why is your milk supply low? So we can fix that root cause. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes the milk supply is just low because there's no milk. The baby's not transferring milk, right? It could be, it could be a complex medical issue, or it could be something as simple as you're not feeding the baby often enough. So, Mm -hmm. or not pumping often enough. Um, Mm -hmm. So um, that puzzle piece, the root cause, the investigative part of it. Mm -hmm. And we, and you're doing not just physical, but you're taking into account personalities and emotional states mm-hmm. and anxiety levels mm-hmm. and all of that all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I remember when I first started practicing, when I first opened my office and I was taking insurance at the time. So I had more patients during a day and I came home one day and I told my husband, I saw five patients today. And he, you know, of course we're talking about the money, how much money did you make? Right. And he's like, Oh, I can't wait till you can see 10 people a day. And I went, no, I will never be able to see 10 people a day. That's (laughs) what I did when I worked in the hospital. And it was horrible. Mm -hmm. I don't ever Mm want to see 10 people because I would never be able to give those 10 people what I was able to give the five people today. Correct. And still stay strong and sane and a well-balanced human being to be able to have something left for tomorrow. Because Mm -hmm. those of us who do this right, put a hundred percent into what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a lot out of us. It does. (laughs) I'm even thinking five is a lot. Yeah. I don't do five anymore. That was, that was, I was younger. (laughs) Yeah. 
Five is and, and not all of so, not all of those five were complex lactation. You know, I was mixing in some women's health there too. But yeah. um yeah, it's just an example of letting people who don't know what an IBCLC does be aware of the um scope of what we do. And also um I love that you wrote that article explaining what the visit is like, because many people call and leave messages like they sound like they have no idea what they're asking for. Like they've mm-hmm. never experienced this. And most people have never experienced a lactation visit. They have mm-hmm. no idea what we do. So they, they're a little wary on the phone. Like, um, I think I want to talk to you about my breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how this works and what you do. And so that mm-hmm. was a very valuable um, article that you wrote. And maybe we can link to that article in the show. Yeah, notes. we can link to yeah, that. That'll and, be fun. and to piggyback what you said though. So, so that's just, if the parent is trying to feed at the breast, right? right. So like you said, we were talking about pumping and bottles. So yep. bottle feeding is huge. I have a consult next week and the baby just had a release by Scott and, and she's not breastfeeding, but the baby mm-hmm. is still very messy on the bottle. So mm-hmm. this is going to be oral rehab, sucking Mm -hmm. exercises, bottle feeding and pumping. So Mm -hmm. it's a full visit and it has not, and uh, the breast will not, well, the breast will be involved because I'm sure she's pumping, right? you know, so there's flange fittings. I Mm -hmm. look back now, I look back even this was in my second and oh my God, I think I was pumping with a 24 and probably I should have been like a 19 or a 17, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So We really, like I said, we want to support your plan. And if you're pumping, we're going to do a flange fitting. We're going to guide you through the pumping. What are the best ways to maximize your output? Mm-hmm. Um, bottle feeding is huge. We don't want babies to get air. We want them to be organized and calm and in control mm-hmm. on a bottle. So we have opinions and guidance on types of bottles and types of feeding, mm-hmm. uh, demonstrating for all the families, all the folks that will be giving a bottle, Mm -hmm. I'll let parents record me so that they can show that to any of the other provider care providers in the house. Mm -hmm. So, um, milk supply bottles, bottle refusal, bottle feeding, or, you know, oral rehab, um, how to just help your baby unwind from the birth, how Mm -hmm. to, you know, help folks understand that this is the fourth trimester. Right. 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 Um, so, so let's just let's just highlight for those who may not have realized this, we're not just breastfeeding experts. Mm-hmm. We are infant feeding experts mm-hmm. for the first year at least. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I for think. as long as that that infant is um at the age of requiring most of their nutrition from liquid nutrition. We are the experts on that. Is that a good way to put Mm -hmm. it on? I've never really thought about how far our scope goes. And sometimes I'll get a call from someone saying, my, my baby is 15 months old and I'm wondering if they have a tongue tie. And I'm like, Hmm, not sure if they're in my scope. They're not breastfeeding They're, You know, she's not pumping, you know, it it can be a gray area, but we are feeding experts. It doesn't have to be breastfeeding because nobody else is looking at the relationship between the mother, the baby and the feeding, no matter what that feeding is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's a great Com- like completely as a unit, right. As right. a dyad, um, 
you know, I, and I got a call this morning. So mastitis, right. Clogged Mm -hmm. milk, therapeutic breast massage, Mm -hmm. releasing the milk. And again, investigating, okay, why did you get the clogged milk? We're going to find out why I'm going to show you how to get rid of it. And I'm going to give you tools for in the future. Right. Mm -hmm. So mastitis, clogged milk, engorgement, those sort of things. Um, I just lost my train of thought. That's okay. So <laughs> let's let's touch a little bit about the craniosacral aspect of your practice because yes. in most cases, those of us who are IBCLCs need to refer to someone else who does craniosacral therapy. And the reasons we do that is because for tongue tie, especially for any breastfeeding, but for tongue tie, especially the full body holistic approach to healing is so necessary. It's not just about the frenum under the tongue being released. Mm -hmm. So tell me about Mm -hmm. how your practice evolved to include craniosacral therapy. Yeah, that's a good story. So I ate a bunch of my own words. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I took, so I, you know, I graduated uh, the Swedish Institute and similar to lactation, like the massage field, it's like, you know, I have my New York state license, but within that people are going to have their specialties, right? So, mm-hmm. so I did a lot of performance-based rehab-based work, um, but there's lymphatic drainage, there's craniosacral, there's, you know, there's all these different modalities you can specialize in. So I said, you know, what? I do, I want to go check out this craniosacral. So I took my first craniosacral training, I believe in like 2008 mm-hmm. and took the training through Upledger, loved it and tried to incorporate it into my practice. And nobody wanted it. Wow. Nobody wanted it. You know, I was, it was like, dig, 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 dig out the muscles and the knots and all this mm-hmm. stuff. It had to be such deep tissue in New York city, people just walking around, beating up their bodies. And I had mm-hmm. to like top that. Um, so no one really wanted this, this quiet space of, of cranial sacral. So I would wait until the end of the massage and I would, Mm -hmm. when they were like super duper relaxed, sometimes Mm -hmm. often the sleep and I would sneak in a few craniosacral. You know, know what's funny. I go to a massage (laughs) therapist who does that. And I don't think he knows that I know what he's doing, but because I know CST, (laughs) I know what he's doing. doing? I've asked other people have gone to him and they're like, I don't know what he's doing at the end. He's kind of just stops and touches different points. And I'm like, keep massaging. I'm like, no, that's CST. And I've never even spoken to him about it because it's just like, (laughs) to me, I don't even care. It just feels amazing. I come out of there feeling wonderful Uh and uh, let Uh it be, you know, I don't want him to get in trouble for doing that when he's in a place he's probably not (laughs) supposed to be doing it. Like just bring it on. I would always work in the occipital release and the TMJ release. Yes. And that would be a great one at the end that I would yes. slip in. And, and most people would say, what did you do at the yes. end? Right. Um, so, so, so I did it, but there wasn't a good place for it in my practice. So then I transitioned into the lactation field and I start hearing, oh, well, the baby needs body work. The baby needs body work. And I thought, I, I don't think so. Like I worked on professional athletes. They need mm-hmm. body work. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't connecting in my brain. I, mm-hmm. in fact, it wasn't like, I was kind of resistant to it. I was like, babies do not need body work. That's interesting. And isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm telling you, I ate. I'll tell you my own resistance story after this. I did something I, similar, but go ahead. <laughs> we can grow is the point yes. of this, right? Yeah. So, so I'm in my practice and then I really start to realize it, right? I 
see the babies. I learn the birth stories. I see what's happening at the breast. And I say, oh my Lord, they desperately need body work. They right. desperately need body. I just, I just had body work in a different category, mm-hmm. right? And then I get into lactation and then over a year or so, I really started to realize, goodness gracious, they need so much body work. Um, so then, I mean, I'm in Westchester, even in New York city, Lisa, there's not a lot of infant specific craniosacral therapy. It's true. And you know, I know that because yes, yesterday, day before yesterday, we drove my, um, my grandson all the way up to New Jersey, Elizabeth Morell. I had done, um, I did a podcast with her and she's about an hour North of me in New Jersey, but the person that I sometimes refer to was busy. There's someone in Brooklyn, but she's booked up. So, uh, you know, and Elizabeth said, you have to find someone closer because I don't expect you to come back here. And we're not sure we can. So yes, I agree with you. It's there is a shortage. There Mm -hmm. are not a lot of us. I was um, convincing um, a therapist that is on the lower East side, but she would, uh, she would sometimes come out to Westchester Mm -hmm. because I was like, please, please, (laughs) I need someone to work on these babies. So then you went back. So then I went back and I uh said, not only do I really want to do this, but I need to do this. We are, we have a shortage of this kind of provider in the area. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I started training with some of the infants. So I went back to Upledger for another level. Um, But then I went to Carol Gray out in Portland and Mm -hmm. then Megan Beams up in Toronto and they are infant specific and they are complete gurus. And I love Mm -hmm. them both dearly and they've changed my life and changed Mm -hmm. my practice dramatically. Mm -hmm. And so now, you know, the first goal of cranial sacral is to get them out of that sympathetic, Mm -hmm. you know, nervous system response. Mm -hmm. You know, going back to what we learned through the pandemic, I don't have research papers to show me that there was a lot of low milk supply over the past Mm -hmm. two years. And I don't have a research paper, but I could probably tell you it's because these parents were walking around pumped full of adrenaline and cortisol. You're in your fight or flight response. And if you are in your fight or flight response, your body is not going to heal. Your body Mm -hmm. is not going to rest. Your body is not going to make as much milk. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have a baby that had a really challenging birth or was separated from parents in the NICU or has a tongue tie, baby needs to eat nine, eight, nine, 10 times a day. But every time, so 10 times a day, this baby's, you know, gagging and choking. That is stressful. They right. have one job. And that one job is so stressful. Right. For them. Right. And so, the mom so, is, if the mom is uncomfortable, then she's got a high stress response to the feeding mm-hmm. and it's a cycle. Yes. It's a but cycle. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So we're working to get the body in this space mm-hmm. to heal, right? Relaxation breeds recovery. So we're bringing them out of the fight or flight into that parasympathetic nervous system, into that parasympathetic state, parasympathetic state. <laughs> that's such a tricky word. <laughs> right? have to, and yeah. you know what? I watched this when Elizabeth worked on Daniel the other day. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. She described him as intense. Like he's a mm-hmm. very intense kid. He's like, mm-hmm. if there are people around and he's only nine weeks old, if there are people around, like if he's at my house, he doesn't want to nap because he doesn't want to miss anything. Like he knows everything that's going on already. He's very alert. And we say that because we're his family, but she recognized that as well. Mm -hmm. And she Mm -hmm. had to turn away from us 
and she had a white noise machine on and was doing some treatments with him. And when she turned around, he looked like a different kid. Like he was so in the zone. He was so Mm -hmm. chill with Mm -hmm. her after just a few different spots that she worked on. It was really amazing to see. I know this stuff. I've had CST. I send babies off to CST from my practice. But every time I see it, it just, it like lights a fire of everyone should have this regularly. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it literally, and I say this to people, like I describe CST as kind of like a magic that really, you can't really explain in the way we know medicine. (laughs) That's, that's why people have a really hard time with it, but But it works. It works, works, but if you want to sit down and dig, you know, it really is neurology based, you know, we're releasing the fascia and we're releasing everything around the cranium and the spine, which is where every single nerve that does every single thing in your body is branches from, Mm -hmm. right? So if we're releasing any kind of structures, if you have you know, babies that uh, came out with a vacuum or uh, mm-hmm. I've had two shoulder dystocia this week. Um, so you think of that kind of overstretched mm-hmm. on one side and compressed on the other side. We're talking about the vagal nerve, the, the vagus nerve, the hypoglossal nerve, all these nerves that are responsible for feeding right. and, and digestion. And if you have some that are, you know, compressed, smushed, this mm-hmm. is my, this is my, my really watered down version to parents that I say, you know what? Here's craniosacral. All babies get smushed in utero. They get mm-hmm. smushed in utero. They get smushed during the birth process mm-hmm. and it takes them varying times and varying um, techniques to unsmush them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes the ones that are really, really smushed need some extra help. Mm-hmm. And if they are smushed, quote unquote, you know, for lack of a better word, the, the cranium is made to override the sutures and, mm-hmm. and, and compress to come through the, through the canal. But, but they might need some help on yeah. smushing. And if you've right. got a smushed nerve, things are just not going to be working as properly. They might I feel, have I feel like they we're like, dizzy. we're the same person, Carrie. I use the same description, <laughs> but I use the word curled up. Okay. Uh-huh. Instead of smushed. Yeah. I say babies are all curled up and they come out in different curled up positions mm-hmm. and they will mm-hmm. uncurl. And sometimes they need help. I swear I say this like twice yes. a week. Yes. It's I so cool to hear you say it. It didn't go well. So do you have, I have these adorable little juice glasses with a fiddlehead fern. Do you uh-huh. know what fiddlehead ferns are? Yes. That, like coiled up. You know, yes. it's a baby fern before it blossoms into yes. this gorgeous yes. leafy fern. Yeah. But they are like little green coils. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's a little fiddlehead fern, right? Yep. And we're just trying to unwind because everybody functions better right. when, when you, and, and craniosacral is similar to reflexology in that we are only moving the body towards a state of health. Mm-hmm. Right. For anybody out there that thinks that craniosacral is like voodoo or witchcraft, which a lot of people do, it is indeed science based. Right. We are, I'm doing x ray vision of the cranium and the cranial nerves mm-hmm. when I'm working on a baby with CST. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to balance. Right. Right. So, um, is it okay that I still call it magical? 
You can. Yes, okay. of course. It is magical. I know and it's science-based, but I feel like it's a ma- it's magical because because it looks like nothing's happened. Yes. You're just sitting there holding a baby and yes. then all of a sudden they melt. Yes. And that's literally what Daniel incredible. did. He melted. It never it hasn't gotten old to me. I still mm-hmm. I walk away from a baby at the end of the session and I'm like, God, that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it I hope my well my husband's gonna listen to this and I hope he doesn't get mm-hmm. angry because every time Uh-oh. I talk about going back to school, he starts mm-hmm. sweating because I've done that multiple times over the years. <laughs> But that would be my next, if I ever went back for anything, mm. that's what it, I would do. Because I feel like, as you feel, mm-hmm. it's just a natural progression of what you're doing. Yes. Babies need it. It would just mm-hmm. make so much sense. But yes, don't worry, Russ. I'm, I'm not doing it tomorrow. <laughs> I can guide her towards that. It's not as, it would be probably the least intense school. We can do it in sections. I can help <laughs> you find your people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stop this. You're going to, you're going to get my wheels turning. Um, so <laughs> I promised that I would talk about my little, oh, like yes. I was denying, right? So mm-hmm. I'm a midwife and midwives by nature are non-interventionary, right? The least we do to anybody that's what we want to do. I mean, the interventions are there when we need them, but by nature, I feel I was taught and it's in my soul that supporting the natural events without interfering is what's best for most people. Now, when I first started hear- hearing about tongue tie, I learned what I learned in school about tongue tie, about anterior tongue ties. That's all we learned about in school. Right? And I started hearing all this mumbling about tongue tie and I'm like, wait, baby, all these babies need something done to them to do what's natural. Why would that be? And I totally, (laughs) I put my foot down and I was like, there's no way that kids need that done. And I really felt that. And I even spoke on it a couple of times. Like this was way in the beginning when I worked (laughs) at the hospital. So I totally admit I was wrong. And I've been admitting I was wrong since a, you yeah. know, a few months after yeah. I realized that, and this is what makes me feel like it's almost like, um, even though we say it's not new, the rates are definitely increasing exponentially in what mm-hmm. I see. Like I said, I don't yes. have the research, but in what I see, because I was chugging along with my little private lactation. I did some work in the, in the offices of the, you know, the hospital run offices, I would help patients in the, in, in the hospital breastfeed. And I had my little side hustle going with lactation on the side. Um, and everything was going fine. And then I had a rash of babies that all the things I knew did not work for them. Mm-hmm. Like I just couldn't, mm-hmm. fi- I couldn't help them. Like mm-hmm. I used all my lactation tricks, all my midwife tricks, and I couldn't get these kids to, to latch and feed comfortably. Couldn't get the, the parent comfortable. So I was like, maybe there's something to this tongue tie thing. And I went online and I started taking courses and I went, I went to a conference and I felt like I found my people. It was just like, I walked into this room in Montreal and I was like, I sat next to someone who I'm now friends with and network with who I didn't know at the time. And she was doing what I was doing in another part of the country and Mm fine. And she was there at the same stage that I was at. Like, what is this tongue tie thing? Um, And now we both lecture and, and, you know, we're both (laughs) whatever doing all this work, but we all started somewhere. So for those who are listening, 
who feel like this shouldn't be something that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. What I like to say is open your mind because I know where you're at. It seems like it shouldn't be. And what the way I justify it is we are assisting to this natural process because something yes. has gone on and I believe it's epigenetically something I has believe gone it. on, mm-hmm. whether it be the um, formula feeding, bottle feeding generations mm-hmm. that separated, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the evolution of our, the shape of our skull exactly, and our heads exactly. are changing. Yeah. Right. So if, if I don't believe that every baby who appears to have a frenum needs to have a tongue tie release. Correct. Right. And you'll hear that in my talk. There's lots to do. I believe in the team approach. This is not just about snipping the tongue, but we can't deny the fact that there are babies who need interventions in order to do the natural process. Yes. Yes. So that's my little spiel. I, I am, I started out in that denial state, the same way you started out denying about CST <laughs> yes, and yes. body work. I uh-huh. denied this. And once I started sending babies and it helped. And in the beginning, you know, I apologize. I, I apologize in my heart to all the babies that I missed before I realized yes. what was going on. Um, yeah. I have seen those parents with, you know, next babies. Uh-huh. And we've had the discussion and I, you know, have had this and, and apologized to them, which was pretty cool. And they were, I can think of one mom in particular who I just kept treating her for, for thrush. <laughs> we just kept treating her oh, for thrush boy. with her poor nipples and she did not have thrush. Right. Oh. So, but you live and Listen, you learn, we, right? We learn better. We do better. Right. You know, exactly. and that's, I think that's, what's important too, when we go in and we're assessing babies and we do an oral assessment right? Mm -hmm. When we hear, well, then nobody said anything about tongue tie. And I say, well, you know, open up your your phone and record. I'm going to do an oral assessment. Mm -hmm. Here's what I do. Here's what I'm looking for. Right. Right. And and we just have in our brain, right. We have like dozens of boxes that we're checking. And like Mm -hmm. you said, it's just, you see a frenum. We all have frenums. Mm-hmm. what's happening with that frenum or what's not happening. Right? right. And then that's when we go to all the investigative box checking of, okay, I really think this needs to be evaluated right. by one of our preferred providers right. Right. and then know when to refer out, know mm-hmm. when it needs to be an SLP, know when there needs to be other involvement. Right. It's very yeah. much the team approach. Absolutely. And I think that's what happens when they're, when we hear of the, um, unsuccessful stories, right? When, Mm -hmm. when there's just, there's, there's no team or there's Mm -hmm. one person on the team and um, yeah, it's, it makes it challenging. So yeah, we both, you know, this is, this uh, is multidisciplinary Mm -hmm. um, as far as treatment, it should be multidisciplinary as far as teaching, which is why my course is open to all healthcare providers. And I've gotten some pushback from other IBCLCs who say to me, I should not be training people who don't have our designation to um, evaluate for tongue tie. And I totally disagree. I think we all need to be learning together, speaking the same language, understanding what each of our disciplines is Mm -hmm. looking for when we examine. Mm -hmm. I learn Mm -hmm. just as much from a physical therapist as I do from learning from a, a craniosacral therapist 
or another mm-hmm. IBCLC or a dentist who does the procedure. You know, it's important for us to learn from all disciplines. And, yeah, the open um, communication. Right. Between I'm the not providers. teaching, like I'm not going to teach someone who's a doula how to examine under the tongue, but I'm teaching them what I do so that they can recognize that they recognize the signs and symptoms when they need what? to refer to someone yes. like me and when they can handle it and when it's above their scope. Right. Correct. What yeah. to look for and when to say, oh, this needs to be in someone else's mm-hmm. hands. And this is who you need to see. Yeah. And just to go on the note of, you know, hopefully with the parents that that you'll have listened to this. One of the things when we go back a few conversations to, you know, just being there for the parents, right? Mm-hmm. Like being part of that village. And one of the things that I always tell my parents, I love it at this point you know, you get the intake form and there's so many things going on and the parents are overwhelmed. And I show up and I say, what does your gut say? Right. Because being a new parent, I was a horrific new parent. I was so, I mean, I had a tongue tied baby. I had scabbed nipples. I had mastitis. I had zero help. I had no doula, no lactation, no, you know, um, no family close by. It was really a nightmare. So that's part of my, I want to be there. I want to provide you with as many resources as I can, but I want to also encourage parents. It's overwhelming. There's a lot of noise. There's in-laws, there's family, there's a million blogs and social media, Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Take it all in, but then shut it all down. Tune out the noise because you're a parent now. And what does your gut instinct say? Because Mm -hmm. your parental instinct is kicking in, whether you're listening to it or not. So I encourage them to take a step back, take a few deep breaths. And what does your instinct say? Because your instinct is pretty much always going to be right. So it's encouraging them to listen to their parental instinct, because it is so easy to get bogged down with all the information and to filter it through and listen to your gut and listen to your baby because your baby has a story. Mm-hmm. They can't talk to us. That's what I love about the cranial sacral therapy. I go in and I start talking to that baby. Mm-hmm. What happened, bud? That was mm-hmm. a long labor, right? Did you get a little scared? It's a little hard to breathe. I know. Okay. Well, we're here. We're you're safe. We're here to help you. They've got a story. They just can't tell you, right. but they need to be heard. And the parents need to be heard. And the parents, I encourage them to keep being the squeaky wheel until you find a provider that is going to listen to you. That's great. Carrie, um, again, once again, you are, um, verbalizing my (laughs) thoughts and feelings with the instincts. I even tell parents that if what I'm saying doesn't feel right to you, don't listen to me. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Because I truly believe, as you said, that the, a mom can take it all in and then decide what feels right. You know? Yes. That's, that's all we can do is give them the support, the information, dare I say the love mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. you know, that they need at that moment mm-hmm. and let them decide what feels right for them and their, and their baby. Yep. Right. Their path forward. Time. Yeah, exactly. So Carrie, I think, I, I feel like we can chat probably for two days. We could. 
we can <laughs> we can we make this lives. podcast be much longer <laughs> than anybody's attention span. But I think I'm going to wrap up with that idea yes. because it's beautiful and it's powerful. The idea of just following your own instinct. Carrie, thank you from the bottom of my heart oh, for being the first IBCLC on the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Um, it's been a what pleasure a to chat with you. What a treat, Lisa. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. You too. Bye, Lisa. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Tongue Tie Experts podcast. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. If you enjoy what you hear, we'd love it if you'd rate, review, and share with your friends check out the show notes for useful links about the topics we discussed on this week's podcast. Also, you'll find the ways to follow us on social media. Bye-bye.